Morning, everybody. I was uh, thinking about how to introduce this series before we jump into it. And, and I thought of something that we used to say all the time years ago at Southside, and that is, uh, God doesn't take summers off, and at Southside, neither do we. And we stopped saying that after a while because it's kind of obvious, you know, a little bit self-evident. But I, I did get to thinking as I was praying for you today, I got to thinking about the fact that looking back over our lives, I would probably say those months of summer, what is it, June 21st to September 21st. If, if I look back at my life, I would say that a lot of the most pivotal decisions that I've made, the, the actions that I remember the most, the moments that I remember the most, the, the direction that I started to head often happen in those months. And so what I want to suggest to you today is I want to suggest to you that we need to really lean in this summer of 2019 that I want to suggest to myself, I really want to lean in this summer of 2019. And, and, and I think it's really important, wh whether you walked into church today for the first time in your entire life, man, I am so stoked that you're here, that's awesome. Or you've been coming all your life, I'm so stoked that you're here. The, the truth is, I think we should feed our soul. I, I don't know where you stand with the Bible thing, I don't know where you stand with the Jesus thing, but I do know that you know this, that you're, you're more than a body. You're a lot deeper than that. You're more than your mind. You're a lot deeper than that. We need to feed our soul. That the core of who we are, we need to look after our soul. And, and I believe that we feed our soul through love. Number one, we, we receive God's love. Let me tell you something that you already know. This world is tough, and this world has left you with all kinds of lies about yourself and labels that you've placed on yourself and limitations that others have placed on you. Circumstances label you. Failures have labeled you. Other people have labeled you and lied to you and given you limitations. And it's so important that we receive God's love. You know, that we, we spend a little bit of time individually each day uh, reading the Bible or listening to a podcast and, and reminding ourselves again what God thinks of us. You know, or, or, or spending time in a, in a small group, making this an absolute priority to be here every Sunday when you're in town. It's a deal that's like God knows you. But the, the more you open up your Bible, the more that you get into a small group, the more that you uh, come, no matter where you stand right now, the more you find yourself in celebrations, in, 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 in moments like this, you get to know him better. And then you get to know you better. And you come to realize more and more that you are not the lies, you are not the labels, you are not the limitations. You are who God says you are. You know who you are? You're forgiven, you're adopted, you're accepted. You have a hope. You have a future. You were formed for greatness. You were formed for eternity. So we're going to feed our soul this summer, you know? Receive God's love. Return it in the form of just a, a grateful heart. We come together, and I hope we encourage one another. I hope you're encouraged by what happens up here. I hope you're, you're encouraged in your interactions that you have before, during, and after your time. Encourage. Breathe courage into. You know, during the summer, we have a little bit more margin. You know what I mean by margin? Like a little bit, for, for many of us, we've got a little bit more spare time. And, and I think for me, my best creativity happens in the margins. Can I take that a step further? Because you really need to hear this. Your, your best creativity will come from a grateful heart, not a grumbling one. Did you know that? Your, your, your best ideas will come when you're encouraged, not discouraged. When, when you're full of hope, not full of despair, you're going, to make, you're going to make the best decisions. You're going to create the best things. You're going to walk out the best dreams. 
And, and finally, this summer, we've got to feed our soul by reflecting God's love. You know, like, as God has loved us, we're here to love this city. It's, it's amazing, too, because we look around and we go, um, there's so many people in this city that need hope and help. And man, oh man, I was talking to somebody yesterday and they said, it's so hard, isn't it? It's so hard to just pry our perspective just a little bit bigger than me and mine and me and mine and me and mine. Just look a little bit further and offer hope and help to those who need it. That's what we're going to do this summer because as we help, we are helped. As we love, we find love. We can't fix everything, but we can do something and we will. You know, there's a passage in the New Testament of the Bible, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, says this, God can do anything, you know. When we do something, we find out that God can do anything, you know, far more than you could imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He doesn't do it by pushing us around, but by working within us. There's a young woman who's going to get up and she's going to share today. It's, at, it's going to be an incredible time for you. And I think her story typifies that passage. God can do anything, you know. But as I think about that today, I think as we enter this series called Becoming Human, Becoming Human, one of the areas that we need to embrace if we're going to become human is we actually have to embrace and accept our frailty. We have to embrace and accept our frailty. That um, for so many of us, there's so much that I want to control, but there are the most important areas of my life that are actually beyond my control. You know that. And I think what happens is when we, when we begin to accept the fact that there actually are some areas in my life that I can't control, all of a sudden I, I'm reminded that there is a God, there is a Heavenly Father that I have who is completely and totally in control. I guess what I'm suggesting to you is that when we embrace our frailty, we find a profound faith. That no matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done or what you're going through today, I want to let you know that you have a Heavenly Father. He's a father of hope. He's a father of love. He's a father of miracles. He's a father of miracles. He's a father of miracles. And he's for you today. On October 12th of 2018, Maddie Hardy sat down and had a doctor tell her that she had cancer, untreatable and terminal. Now, I'm not going to tell you the rest of her story. She's going to do that in a second. But there's just two things I want to think about today. Number one, for many of us who are close to Maddie, and I guess I'm speaking for a vast majority of this group here, what a slap in the face that was. What a reminder of our own frailty that was, eh? And suddenly what we found just beyond our frailty was we found a faith. And a heavenly father who is the father of miracles. But it got me thinking also that that conversation Maddie had with that doctor on October 12th of 2018, it was tragic and it was devastating, and yet not all that unique, right? Conversations like that happen all over our world every day, all over this city every day. There, there's people in here today, you are going through devastation, you are going through tragedy. You are coming to fa face to face with your own frailty, which is part of becoming human. And my prayer for you and my prayer for me this summer is that as we walk past our own frailty, we will walk into a profound sense of faith in a heavenly Father who is in control even when we're out of control. And I want you to know something. 
He'll bring, he'll bring beauty from your ashes. He'll, he'll, he'll bring hope in place of your despair. He'll be strong when you're weak. So they're going to play a video here in about five seconds. And then Maddie Hardy's going to come onto the stage. And you're going to welcome her like you've never welcomed any, anybody in your life. Sound good? All right. Good morning. If you heard a lot of rustling, it's because I missed my cue and I was running from the door on stage, so that was super fun. Well, good morning, everyone. Like you heard, my name is Maddie Hardy, and I'm so excited to speaking with you um, all this morning. Pastor Mike has reminded us a few times that we need to pray help me prayers, but that we also need to remember to pray thank you and wow prayers when God answers us. And so this morning, before I say or do anything else, I just wanna say thank you and wow. So many of you were with me on this journey, from the generous financial decisions, donations, the meals, the letters, the gifts, the flowers, and the sunshine stickers. Honestly, I'm still surprised when I'm driving around town and I see so many vehicles with those little sunshines on the bumper. Nothing went unnoticed, and I'll forever be so thankful and so grateful for my family that I've found here at Southside. So I've been a part of Southside for almost 10 years. Since attending youth in grade nine, I have graduated the interns program, um, became a youth leader, and I have been a part of the music team for about eight years now. But today I wanna share my story with you and I pray that as I share, God would use my story to speak to you in a special way this morning. As many of you know, in October of last fall, I fell quite ill. I remember the time of year vividly because it's when I was getting ready for Thanksgiving dinner that I was putting my contact in my eye and noticed how yellow my eyes were. I had been experiencing some unusual symptoms in the weeks prior, but brushed those off as stress or exhaustion. At that time, I'd been working part-time at Earl's as well as commuting up to Langley every day for my full-time studies at Trinity Western. As the days went by, my symptoms were not disappearing. Breathing became more difficult, my stomach in constant pain, and now my skin and body is now yellow and incredibly itchy. So I went to my campus doctor for blood work and an ultrasound. He called me two days later, urging me to go to the emergency room. I went in that night and met with a doctor who assured me not to worry, as this was just a simple gallbladder issue. We discussed the possibility of needing surgery. However, long story short, this was not the case. I met with a second doctor who told me something that would completely rock my world. I remember being brought into a little curtained area in the emergency room and was assured by a nurse that a doctor would be with me in just a few minutes. Well, those few minutes turned into over an hour, and that hour was very, very silent. I think my mom, Nana, and I knew that this was much more than a simple gallbladder issue. The doctor finally entered the room and gave us a chipper greeting. He had the results of my ultrasound on his clipboard. Using the clipboard to cover his face, he said, we aren't quite sure what kind it is, but you have an unknown stomach cancer. It's everywhere. He took a few more minutes and then comforted us with, yeah, your stomach and liver is riddled with this. 
Within seconds, my mom and Nana had their arms wrapped around me, repeating over and over, we love you, we love you, we love you. And I responded with, I knew it, and I can do this. Even though I responded with confidence, a part of me began to doubt. The following few minutes felt very grim, and my heart became heavy as I began to examine my life and come to terms with the possibility of it soon being over. I immediately started thinking about my past, wondering if I have lived these 21 years to the fullest. And then I looked at my future, and I became saddened at the possibility of not being here to achieve the dreams I had set for myself. The thought of not being able to graduate Trinity Western with my best friend, the thought of not being able to pursue my dream career as a teacher, or my dream of fulfilling my own family, or watching my brothers fulfill their dreams of having their own. These dreams that I had set for myself suddenly seemed as if they were out of reach, and so I began to cry out to God for another way, another answer. Without comforting or sending any sort of condolences, the doctor left and sent in the head of internal medicine to speak to my mom as I was sent out for a biopsy. During their meeting, the doctor had given my mom the words terminal metastatic stomach cancer. He explained that there was nothing that the hospital could do for me and suggested that she take me home and make me comfortable. Those next few hours were grim and quite blurry. Several meetings with doctors who kept asking me to repeat the symptoms, questions about my lifestyle and my family history. Puzzled by my responses as I was a healthy 21-year-old with no history of cancer in my family, they just kept repeating, I'm so sorry, but there's nothing that we can do here. It wasn't long until my room was packed with the people I love. My mom, stepdad, brothers, grandparents, and closest friends all surrounded me as we tried to fathom what we had just been told. The minute my initial diagnosis was final, I asked that we would make this as public as possible and get as many people praying as possible. And so people started to pray and God showed up. Several, after my, several hours after my diagnosis, the evening rolled around and with that came a new emergency doctor on shift. He popped his head into my room and introduced himself to me. I recognized him as he was a regular at the coffee shop that I'd been working at, as well as a longtime family friend. However, due to weight loss and jaundiced skin, I wasn't my familiar self. Apparently, when he came on shift, he overheard the nurses talking about the 21-year-old girl with terminal cancer. As my mom approached him, he made the connection of who I was, and I'll never forget the sadness in his voice when he said, I can't believe that this is your Maddie. She explained the situation to him and mentioned that the head of internal medicine had told her to take me home and make me comfortable. His face got dark with anger and he immediately responded, who said that? Don't you believe it? We don't know anything for sure yet. There is always hope and there was no right for that doctor to take away your hope. Again, people started to pray and God showed up. Immediately, that doctor had put himself on my case and admitted me into the hospital that night. And so began my 28-day stay. In the following two weeks, I underwent numerous biopsies, scans, tests, and met with several doctors who were determined to figure out what this cancer was.
October 26th marks the day we received the final diagnosis. A diagnosis that had treatment, a diagnosis that had hope. On October 26th, two weeks into this experience, I'd written an entry in my journal that I'd like to read out for you today. This is where I stood. Stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. My official diagnosis became very real to me today. As my oncologist sat with me and went through every little detail of my treatment and every single side effect, I tried to stay calm. Everything was fuzzy. I heard phrases like treatable with curable intent, 60 to 80% chance of survival rate, hair loss, bone pain, nausea. So I sit here and I mourn these statistics and then I'm immediately reminded that God is so much bigger than any statistic. I'm also reminded that just 16 days ago, I was told that I had an inoperable terminal stomach cancer. And so I praise God. I praise him for a life-giving diagnosis, and I praise him for an amount of peace that I never thought was possible. And so, Jesus, I trust. I trust that this is all a part of the beautiful plan you have for my life. And I look forward to being on the other side of this, completely healed and cancer-free. I look forward to sharing my story and shining his light to the darkness of others. And so I'm ready for this challenge, and I know it won't be easy, but it will be worth it. I am confident that he'll be there with me every single step of the way. Be bold and strong, for the Lord is with you wherever you go. And so, Southside, this is where I stand today, fully healed, praying and hoping that I can use my story to shine a light. And so I hope that my story would impact yours, that you would hear from God and take heart in this very troubled world. My heart is to share two things that I learned about God in this trial, and I hope that they can encourage you when the difficulties come, or even in the midst of your current circumstance, whatever that circumstance may be. I know that you might not have cancer, but I also know that a lot of you are facing difficult trials in your life. And I hope that my story will give you the hope to carry on. So the first thing I learned about God is that there is another in the fire. I don't know about you, but when difficulty comes my way, I'm tempted to feel as though I'm expected to get through it alone. As if God is far away and he's left me here to figure it out all for myself. But I've come to know that this is the farthest from the truth. I have a God who empathizes with me and people who love you, people who love me. And the same goes for you. You have a God who empathizes with you and people that he's placed in your life to show just how much he loves you. The minute I received my initial diagnosis, I had people rally around me. Whether it was through prayers, messages, or their physical presence, I was supported even from people I didn't know including Mariah McManus, one of the lead singers of Mosaic Music located out in LA. We sing some of their songs here at Southside, and she's someone who I greatly admire. I had tickets to go and listen to her sing before everything happened. So while I was missing the concert, it meant a lot to me to receive this video and to have her support.
Believe it or not, a lot of my favorite memories were made in these past few months. One of the things I remember the most about these moments is who I was with when they happened. This life isn't meant to be lived alone. We need friends for companionship. We need them to help hold us accountable. But we also need support that can only be provided by other people. We need friends in the good times and both the bad. I have a photo here to show you all the friends and family who rallied around me during this time. These photos are the definition of through thick and thin. Ask me about my favorite memories, and I'll tell you that most of them were made with these people in these past few months. Crazy, I know, but it's true. Ask me about my favorite memory, and I'll tell you it's when one of my best friends crawled into my hospital bed and told me that her and her husband were expecting their first baby. If you ask me about my favorite memory, I would tell you it's when my friends and family gathered in the hospital lobby to worship together. This was the day we discovered that there was a large mass in my chest near my heart. The mass was the size of about two fists. We also discovered that there were spots in my lungs and my kidneys. And so we gathered around a piano in the hospital lobby and we did the only thing we knew to do. That same night, my friends at Trinity Western were also praying and believing for my miracle. Ask me about my favorite memory, and I'll tell you that it's when Jesus placed these people in my life so I would never feel alone. Corinne wrote something that beautifully illustrates what it looks like to have another in the fire. In other words, what it looks like when God proves his love for you by surrounding you with people who love you. This is what she wrote. October 12, 2018. Every few minutes, the front door would open, and someone who loved Maddie would come in. Face wet with tears, eyes glazed in shock, hands trembling. We sat in my living room, no one speaking. The words cancer and terminal were too loud to talk over. We crammed into cars and headed to the hospital to be with our friend, wondering how we could go on without her, knowing that the sun would shine just a little less brightly on a world without Maddie in it. 
Doctors and nurses kept commenting on the crowd in Maddie's room, one even asking if we were a sports team or something. It was unusual for them to see friendship and love like this, but not for us, because it was Maddie, and we couldn't really do anything else but be with her. That terrible day passed, and the next day dawned, and with it came the miracles. The word terminal was never heard again, but replaced by treatable and beatable, and we all stood amazed. We stood amazed at our friend's grace and strength. We stood amazed at our God's kindness and power. In truth, I think we're all still standing amazed. Amazed at how love and pain, fear and hope are interwoven in this life. Amazed at how fragile we are and how steadfast is our Savior's love for us. Amazed at how even as the world is breaking all around us, through all of the cracks, some lights get through. And it is this light, friends who stand by us and a God who won't leave us, shining into all the dark corners that warms us and helps us grow. It is this light shining through all the cracks that chases out fear and brings us hope. So I just recently went through a trial and it was quite difficult. But many of you are facing trials of your own and all of you will face trials in this world. But know that we are not expected to get through this alone. Just like he has in mind, God has placed specific people in your life for a reason. You have a God who empathizes with you and you have people who love you. You are not alone. God knows your struggles and he knows your fears. So bring your troubles to him and go with confidence knowing that he has a way through it. Trust him with where you are at right now, believing that when we are weak, he is strong. So the first thing I learned about God when going through this trial is that I am never alone because there's always another in the fire. And the second thing is that he can do anything. Especially in these past last months, I've had to learn how to fully trust in God and this was not natural for me. For those of you who know me, know that I am a huge control freak. I like to plan out every single detail of my life and hold on very tight to my regular routine. I found that whenever my life would start to take a turn towards the unexpected, I became, began to feel quite fearful and anxious. While reading through my journal, I found an entry from October 19th, exactly one week after my diagnosis. I wrote, I have always lived my life allowing my anxiety and my fear to control me. Every decision and every thought was hindered. Opportunities were missed. One would think that a cancer diagnosis would make these feelings intensify. However, the complete opposite occurred. Thank you, Jesus, for a peace that surpasses understanding. I take this peace and I trust in you. I unclench my fists and I give my life to you. A passage in Proverbs that I'm sure many of us are familiar with reads, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. I think if I've learned anything over these past few months, it's that our God is faithful and he's in control. So I sympathize with you when I say that completely trusting in God is hard and it's quite uncomfortable sometimes. To help myself truly believe what is written in Proverbs 3, 5, 6, Every morning I committed to saying out loud, God, I give this day to you, and I acknowledge that this life is not my own. 
I trust that whatever comes my way today is all a part of the plan you have for my life. God, I give this day to you and I acknowledge that this life is not my own. And I trust that whatever comes my way today is all a part of the plan that you have for my life. The more I repeated this day in and day out, the more I believed these words to be true. It was emphasized to me in this time that God is with me and he's for me. And so the more I let go of the idea that I was in control of my life, the more I realized that he works everything out for my good. But I also know that he can do anything and that our God is so big. It is important that we know and we believe just how mighty God is. If we don't, we'll look at our limitations and feel as though that they limit him. We'll end up with a God who's just a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, and a little bit wiser than us. We'll end up making God small. I will never forget my first night in the hospital. Before going up to my private room, my nurse grabbed my arm and he said, our medical team here is so small, but God, he is so, so big. Ever since that night, those words have been engraved in my mind because it was that night that I realized I've been making God small. One of my favorite verses is found in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. It reads, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Have you ever stopped and asked yourself how God wants to work through your life to change the world? If we're being honest with ourselves, I think most of us would answer with no. We don't spend a lot of time imagining how God could use us powerfully because we struggle to believe the truth of this claim. When we read the scripture about the power of God, yes, we believe it. But at the same time, we struggle to believe that that same power applies to us. Never in a million years would I have thought that my life would have turned out the way it did. If you asked me a year ago if I believed that God would work through me, I probably would have said no. But when I look back at my story, I see countless miracles displaying the greatness of God, screaming how big he is, and that proving over and over again that he can do literally anything. In the summer prior to my diagnosis, I worked at a bakery. Every morning I would open with two girls who I eventually built a good relationship with. I was in the hospital when I received this text from one of my coworkers. I don't know who God is, but how do I pray? I want to pray for you. I received this Instagram DM on the day I announced that my scans came back clear. I honestly was never a huge believer in God until you were diagnosed and the changes were so unbelievable. It's incredible what God's work can do, and I am so excited to see what your future holds. I also received this message from one of my coworkers at Earl's. Thinking of you today, praying for you today, which has been a really cool experience as I haven't prayed much. I never would have believed that people would be praying for the first time ever to pray for me. I never would have dreamed that this church would create the Sunshine Fund in my name to help other people and families going through critical illnesses. 
I never would have believed that there would be hundreds of cars all over the city with sunshine stickers on them because they were supporting me. I never would have dreamed that God could use my story to bring hope to others. In these past eight months, God has proven to me over and over again, he can do far more than I could ever ask or imagine. And the same goes for you. Because of my experiences in these last eight months, I see my dreams differently. I see the city differently. My life, my mission, I see it all so differently. Because I know that God is with me and I know that he can literally do anything. And so this is what I want my life to look like moving forward. That I would continue to trust that God can work powerfully through my life. That I would continually, daily unclench my fists that I would let go of any of my fear and worry and just simply trust in him. And so Southside, my prayer is that you would do the same. And as I close, I just wanna remind you that yes, this was my miracle, but God's miracles are for everyone, not just for me, not just because I had cancer and not just because I've been going to church my whole life. Maybe your miracle is that you need a solid group of friends. Your circumstances are leaving you feel lonely, tricking you into thinking that this is all up to you to figure it out. Or maybe it's courage. There's something you know you need to do or someone you know you need to reach out to. Some of you are Christians today, but you might feel like you're drifting through life and just living half-heartedly. Your prayer today can be asking God to show you the incredible plan of life and purpose that he has designed specifically for you. Others of you are completely new to the whole idea of God and you had no idea that God loves you infinitely or that every day he invites you to live your life with him too. There's gonna be people around the room in just a few minutes who would love to talk to you about him and who would love to pray with you for your miracle. Or maybe there's a hurt in your heart that goes so deep. It's something that you can't seem to get past, no matter what you try, and it affects how you live your life. You can trust God with that hurt, and you can pray for the miracle of finally being able to surrender that to him today. Or maybe like me, the miracle you're gonna ask for today is for healing for your body a serious illness, an injury, maybe even you or someone close to you, you're in the midst of a battle with cancer. And so we wanna stand with you today in asking for your miracle. Whatever it may be, know that there is no miracle too small or too big. We all make him small in every area of our lives, but God isn't small. God is so, so big. and he's waiting for you to ask, and he's waiting for you to believe that he can and he wants to do a miracle for you too. And so the band's gonna close. And as we sing this next song together, I wanna encourage you to think about what your miracle is, whether it seems big or whether it seems small. And if you need prayer this morning, there are gonna be people all around the gym who are ready and willing to pray for you, to pray with you. So thank you so much for listening to my story.
And thank you again to all of you who stood by me, prayed for me, and supported me through my battle with cancer. Let's stand as we sing this next song together. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to see you at any of our three Sunday services held at Sardis Secondary School on Stevenson Road in Chilliwack, British Columbia. For more information, please visit southsidelife.com.